Well, let's pray and get into the word of God. Father God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. You're so gracious. You are much better than we deserve, Father God, and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We're asking you for eyes that see and hearts that are open and receptive, ears that hear what you would say to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Show us wonderful things in your word, things we have not seen before and things we have seen. We're asking, we're asking you to make it more clear, to make it more real to us than it ever has been. Show us how to practically apply this word that we hear today. I'm asking you for your anointing in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Somebody say, I'm a doer. You may be seated. I'm a doer of the word of God. Amen. Well, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 2 Timothy 4. Two openings. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 2 Timothy 4. We've been on a series that we're calling, anybody know? The, the good fight of faith. Amen. The good fight of faith. And uh, I don't know, I think this is 10 or something like that. So we've been on it for several weeks. And, uh, you know, we, the Lord is helping us. Every week we see more and more, more truth, more light, get more revelation. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, increasing, not, not decreasing, increasing, increasing. But we're getting prepared. We're prepared. We're prepared for any attack of the enemy. We're prepared to fight the good fight of faith. Amen? And we covered a lot. So you would have to go on our website, on YouTube, or to listen to the previous messages to get caught up if you missed anything. And it's good to go over and uh, listen to some of those uh, that we preached again, that ministered to you, that we preached before, that ministered to you. I listen to them sometimes. Sometimes it's hard for me to l listen to myself. I mean, I do it. I shouldn't say it's hard, but uh, I listen to myself and because, uh, you know, I'm my biggest critic. So I'm like, oh, man, I could have said that. Oh, it would have been a good example there. But I'm getting encouraged. I'm like, man, the Lord was, uh, he really spoke some things that helped us. But 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, fight the good fight against your spouse and children and in-laws <laughs> and politicians. No? <laughs> Just making sure you guys are away. I know we, write, we read this every week, but <laughs> it says, fight the good fight of faith. You know, imagine if some people put the same energy, though, to fighting the good fight of faith as they do in fighting family and fighting loved ones and, and fighting politicians and fighting all these natural battles, these natural temporary battles. Man, they'd be a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of God if they just transferred all that energy into fighting the good fight of faith, amen, into fighting what the real battle is, the spiritual battle, amen. But, you know, people, they're not really the problem. I know it seems like people are the problem, but it's the spirits behind them that is the issue. That the, the spirits that they're yielding to, the spirits that they're giving place to, whether they realize it or not, whether they're doing it ignorantly or even if they're doing it knowingly, well, it's still the spirit behind them. And so 
that is what we're dealing with. It's not necessarily, yeah, they may be yielding to it, but it's not our fight. Our fight is not with flesh and blood. And, uh, you know, we've yielded ourselves. So, you know, we don't need to cast any stones and, and, and judge people because we've all yielded ourselves to some things we shouldn't have. Amen? Amen. Uh, but fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. I mean, we're called to eternal life and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 2 Timothy 4, 6 says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So that means in order to keep the faith, we will have to fight a good fight. Because if we lose the faith, if we lose our faith, that means we lose the fight. They're connected. You see that? They're connected. If we lose our faith, we lose the fight. And we, we said last week, it's God's desire, it's his will that we finish strong, that we finish our race and that we finish strong. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that there won't be challenges. That doesn't mean that there won't be obstacles. That doesn't mean that there won't be hindrances in this fight. Uh, things that will try to come up to slow us down, to prevent us from finishing our race. You know, there were some things that the Apostle Paul that came in his life that were designed to trip him up, to slow him down, so that he stopped fighting the good fight of faith. I mean, there were some shipwrecks. There were some, what, some snake bites, some stonings, some beatings, some imprisonments. How many know those things could have stopped him? But he didn't let them stop him. He didn't stop fighting the good fight of faith. Are you awake? He didn't stop fighting the good fight of faith. He kept running his race. Like we said earlier during the offering, there will always be something that comes up that could hinder us, that can stop us, that we can look at and say, ah, you know, and just throw our hands up and say, I'm done with this. No, we get up. We fight the good fight of faith. We, no matter, you know, in a race, you're running, you may get tripped up, you may stumble, you may fall. Well, don't look back and say, what was that? And just keep looking back and saying, oh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. No, get up. Put your head forward. Don't look back. Keep running the race. Keep running the race until you finish. I know one of the most, I guess, proud father moments that I had is um, when my son was running uh, track in high school in a race, and he was leading the race. I remember in his heat, he was leading the race, and he had a good lead on the guy, on the guy that was close to him. You remember that, right? And, um, and he, uh, he, this was a hurdle race, and he jumped over the last hurdle, I think it was the last hurdle, and he tripped. And he tripped, but he got right back up. He got right back, he didn't stay on the ground crying and say, oh man, pounding the glory. He got right back up and kept running and almost hawked the guy and almost caught up to the guy. But I was more pleased that he didn't quit than if he would have won the race because he got tripped up and he just kept running. He just kept running. Well, that's what we need to do, amen? We need to run our race. When something trips us up, we don't look back. We just keep moving forward. And how many know, if you still have your faith, that means you are fighting the good fight of faith. No, notice what Paul didn't say. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. He didn't say, I fought the good fight because I led hundreds of people to the Lord and thousands of people to the Lord. 
I fought the good fight because I have sons and daughters in the faith all over the place. He didn't say, I finished my race because I have planted numerous churches. Did he say that? He didn't say, I fought the good fight and finished my race because I've healed thousands of people or I've wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He didn't say that. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. An indicator if you're fighting the good fight of faith is if you still have your faith. If you still have your faith, you're fighting a good fight. I said, if you're still, if you still have your faith, that means you are fighting a good fight of faith because there took a lot to get you to where you are now. Because there was a lot of obstacles that you had to overcome. There were a lot of things in your life that could have taken you away from the faith, that could have taken you out of the race, but you're still in the race. If you still have your faith, you're still in the race. You're still in the fight, which means you're winning. Because if the devil had his way, you would have left the faith a long time ago. If the devil had his way, you would have got discouraged. You would have laid down. You would, not, you would have quit. But you've overcome. You got through. And you're winning the fight. I say you're winning the fight. I mean, that's a lot. That's right there. That's enough for us to shout about the rest of the service, to be encouraged that I'm winning the fight. I still have my faith. That is an indicator that you're fighting the good fight. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the I kept the faith. How do you know you're winning? How do you know you're fighting the good fight of faith? Because you still have your faith. You still have your faith. Because the devil is trying to steal your faith. That's the main thing he's trying to take is your faith. See, sometimes we look at these natural results and we're like, oh, man, this is not happening. That's not happening. Hey, you still have your faith. Are you still fighting? Then you're winning. You're winning. Say, I'm fighting the good fight of faith. I'm still winning. I haven't quit. I'm not giving up. So we should be encouraged. Amen. We're encouraged that we're fighting this fight and we're winning. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Glory to God. Man, that's exciting to know that if you are still, if you still have your faith, you're winning the fight. You're winning the fight. I'm winning the fight because I have my faith. I, you know, you, that's why it's important that we read these things over and over and over because sometimes you see something that you didn't see before. And I saw that looking at it last night. I said, wait a minute. I noticed Paul, you know, the Holy Spirit pointed out to me, noticed that he didn't say he fought a good fight and finished the race because all of his accomplishments. No, it was because he kept the faith. How many know at the end of it all, the people that are going to be standing before the Lord are the ones who've kept the faith. The ones he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, are the ones who kept the faith because there was a fight to keep that faith. Amen? Those are the ones he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And how you know, it's not going to be the people that we think it might be that are going to get all the accolades and the rewards. It might be people you never heard about before. Just because somebody has millions of followers and they're well known and that doesn't mean that they're doing the most for the kingdom of God. That doesn't, just because men recognize them, that's not the way God sees things. That's not the way, it may be somebody sweeping a hallway for 30 years and that's all they did, but God saw their heart. He saw their faithfulness and that is what pleases the Lord. You know, the Bible says uh, in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Well, if you still have your faith, that means you're with your faith. So that means you are pleasing God because you're not without it. Do you see that? You are keeping it. You're not without it. You're with your faith, so you're pleasing God. God is looking down on you. He's saying, that's my, that's my boy. That's my girl. They're fighting. They're, they, don't, they, they don't see everything. We don't know everything. We only know in part, but they're still fighting, and they're still winning. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 6, we've been talking about this fight and the armor that God has given to us to fight in this fight, to fight this battle. In Ephesians 6, verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, we're not fighting in our own power, not in our own strength. We're fighting in the Lord's strength. We're fighting with his power and might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Well, that must be important. He didn't say here's a few pieces, decides which pieces you want to pick up, which ones you want to use. He said, no, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I mean, you know that evil day is the day when he's tempting you, when he's trying to pressure you. That's an evil day. Amen. <laughs> and having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we talked about that last week. We talked about being ready. We talked about these shoes that give us peace, knowing that God is with us and that he's on our side. And knowing that gives us peace, knowing that equips us and it helps us to be ready to stand against the enemy, to stand against his attacks. Amen. And I thought about naming that, that uh, message last week. I was trying to decide what to name it. And I was thinking, man, should I name this No Chanclas? You know, because we talked about flip-flops. You can't wear no flip-flops, right? You know, going to the battle, but no, nah, no. Nah, we just, it's called Battle Ready. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to listen to it. It's good. But it, the, the, the Lord is good, amen. But he's showing us that when we are aware that he's with us and that he's on our side and that he's for us and not against us, and we know the areas that he's for us in, and we know that he's on our side, we know that he's with us, we're not confused. We're at peace, and we have uh, peace of mind. We know, hey, I can stand against this because the Lord is with me. See, if you don't know that, if you are confused, is this God or is this not God? Is this coming from God? Is this bad situation? Is this distraction? Is this test? Is this coming from God or is this the enemy? Well, how can you resist and stand against something that you're not sure about? Well, you won't be able to. You won't. You, and that's why a lot of Christians will be defeated and won't have the victory because they're not standing against things they should be standing against. They're not resisting things they should be resisting because they're thinking, hey, this is God. This is what he wants for me. No, this is not what he wants. He's caused us to be overcomers. He said that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That means he's expecting us to conquer and he's expecting us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen? Amen. But 
we're going to talk today about, well, let's go read it in verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith. First of all, let's, uh, let's back up. What is faith? Before we look at what the shield of faith is, what is faith? I know we talk about faith all the time. You know, our faith is in God. We are in the faith. But what does that mean? What is the faith? I know, you know, sometimes you need to back up and review, go over some definitions and just not take for granted that everybody knows and everybody understands. And faith comes by hearing. And you can get more clear, more light, more revelation, even if you heard something a million times. But faith, if you're just defining what the word faith means, uh, and now I'm being very specific and technical. You know, a lot of times when we're talking about faith, we're talking general. We're talking very generally. Uh, and there's two ways of teaching or preaching. You can preach general or you can preach specific. So right now I'm being very specific when I say faith. I'm saying uh, faith is a conviction. It's a firm persuasion. It is Total confidence. It is confidence. It's a, a belief. That's what faith is. Faith is a firm persuasion. Okay? It's a conviction, a strong conviction. And a lot of times when we talk about faith, we read Hebrews 11.1 1, that says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That phrase hoped for actually means confident expectation. Our faith, our firm persuasion is the assurance, the confidence of things that we are confidently expecting. Um, and really, this is what our faith does. This is what our faith does. Our faith, the things that we, we can expect confidently some things in his word because of our firm persuasion. Why can you expect, and the illustration is someone standing outside waiting for the bus. You, you ever, anybody ever took the bus in here as a kid or, you know, as an adult, whatever, and you see the bus coming, you're looking, you're, well, you're, you're waiting for the bus and you're looking, why is your neck outstretched looking down the street? Because you are expecting the bus to come at any moment. It's supposed to come at 725. Well, you're looking at 725. You are confidently expecting. Why? Because you believe that they're going to come when they say they're going to come. Well, that's what faith does. Faith is a confident expectation. It's a firm persuasion so that it causes you to confidently expect God to do what he said he was going to do. You are in, you know, we use that word hope. I hope this happens. I hope that happens. Well, Really, biblical hope is a confident expectation, okay? So when we're talking about faith and hope, we're not just hoping as in wishing, oh, I wish this would happen. No, hope in the Bible is you are confidently expecting. Look these words up in the Greek. Don't just take it for, you know, take my word for it. Look it up in the Greek. But it's a confident expectation. I'm expecting, and I can be expecting because I have a firm persuasion and my firm persuasion, my, confident, my confidence, my trust, my faith is in the word of God. I'm expecting because God said it. I'm expecting because I know his nature. I know his character. Do you see that? That's what faith is. 
Faith, well, the Amplified Classic says this, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So no, we don't see it out here. We don't see it in the natural, but we can still confidently expect it because of our faith in the word of God. We know God's word is true. He's not a man that he would lie. Our faith is in his word. And because of that, I'm expecting from God. I'm expecting from God. I'm expecting he's going to do what he said he was going to do, regardless of what it looks like in the natural, regardless of what I see. And that faith grabs what is unseen, but what you can see with the eyes of faith. See, it's not seen in this realm, but in the spirit, you can see it by faith. I see my provision. I see my healing. I see the miracle that I need. I see that situation being resolved. I see it by faith. So faith lays hold of what grace has provided. With what God has provided by his grace, faith grabs it. God graciously gave us these wonderful things. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, God has given to us by his grace. Not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, not because we were good and we worked for it. No, it's just because he is good. He has graciously done these things for us. And faith says, I'll take that. I receive that. And you're expecting it to happen. You're expecting to receive. You're expecting some things to occur in your life. Amen? It's regardless of what it looks like, regardless of how you feel, faith is not based on how we feel. Faith is not based on how it looks. Actually, it looks contrary to what you're believing when you're in faith. It's normal for it not to look like it's going to happen when you're in faith. That's what faith is. Because if it's happening, well, then you're not in, it's no longer faith is needed, right? Because it's already happening. It's when you don't see it, that's when faith is required. Do you see that? You know, a lot of times people say, you know, they're believing God for healing or they're believing God for finances. And people say, believe with me for a good report. Well, why do that? And I know, I know we want a good report. I know we want to go to the doctor and we want to hear, hey, you know, everything's fine. Everybody wants to hear some good news, right? Everybody wants to hear that. But faith is not waiting to hear what the doctor says before it believes what God said in his word. See, if we're waiting to hear what the doctor said before we believe what his word says, then are we in faith? No, see, faith says, hey, I believe by his stripes that I'm healed. I believe that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in my mortal body and is quickening it, causing life to it, regardless of what this doctor says. So I'm going there in faith. And even if they tell me, no, nah, we got bad news for you. Well, the Psalm, the 112th, says, 112th Psalm says, I will not be afraid of bad news because my heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. I'm still believing his word regardless of what this report says. See, we have to be careful about that. People say, believe with me for a good diagnosis. Well, I'll believe with you that you're healed regardless of what they say at the doctor's at the doctor's office. You see that? 
We're, we're believing that we're healed. We're believing that, you know, let's say you're believing for a job. You're believing for God to provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. You're in between jobs. You just got laid off and you got an interview lined up and somebody says, hey, believe with me for that I'll get this job. Well, unless you know that the Lord specifically said that is your job, believe for it. Uh, it it's better to believe for you know, favor, for wisdom, for direction, for some clarity that God's going to provide your needs because God providing your needs is not based on if you get that job or not. You see that? God providing and taking care of you is not based on that job because God can do it another way. God is able to do things another way, and we don't want to get our eyes on just these natural things. Yeah, take the steps we need to, but no, my faith is not in that because you may get there, you may get to the interview and realize, man, I don't want this job. Well, you just asked the whole church to pray that you get this job. <laughs> so you may be thinking, man, I don't like this manager. I don't like, I can't work at a place like this. You may have a check in your spirit like this is not the place. Well, that's why it's, that's what I've done. What we have done is, well, let's believe God that we'll be at the right place at the right time that we'll have favor, that he'll direct and order our steps, that he'll provide our needs for us. And when I go to this interview, I'll know, okay, is this something we sh I should continue pursuing? Because they could say, hey, you got the job, but I feel like, eh, no, I'm not supposed to take that job. See, that's why we shouldn't be so quick to just say, believe for the good report, believe for this. No, let's stick with God's word. And that's what's going to come to pass, whether he told us by his spirit, with, I mean the Holy Spirit revealing it to you, or in his word. Do you see that? You, you gotta, we got to be so careful. I mean, who's heard that before? We've all done that, right? Believe with me for a good report. No, I believe the report of the Lord. Regardless of what the other report says, we believe his report. We're not waiting to hear good news before we believe the good report of the Lord. Amen. Now, everybody's faith is at different areas. You know, you got to decide where you're, you got to, between you and the Lord, you got to find out where your faith is. What can I believe in this situation? Where is my faith at? And then you ask the Holy Spirit, he revealed to you, you believe that. You put your faith on that. Amen. But our faith is in what he said. Our faith is in what he told us. Now, what is the shield of faith? The shield of faith. Now, when it's talking about a shield, this is, uh, if, you, if you research this, that actually that word there uh, is talking about a large door-shaped shield. It's called a scotum. And uh, basically, this is like something that you place in front of you that you can get behind that hides your whole body, that protects you. It's an oblong-shaped thing. And uh, some say it was about four feet high, two feet wide. So it's something you can crouch down and get behind and you're protected. This is not like Captain America or Wonder Woman Frisbee throwing shield. No, this is a shield that you put and it protects your whole body. You can get behind the whole shield. And this shield was a, a lot of them were made with wood and they were covered in hide. And that hide would be dipped in water. Okay, and it was dipped in water so that it could ex uh, extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. Okay, so it's wet. And when because, you know, these arrows that the enemies threw that they shot, they were dipped in pitch 
and they were lit on fire, and then they were shot. And, you know, these, they weren't just shooting one arrow at a time. You realize that, right? They weren't just, you know, at war. It just wasn't one guy. Doom. No, this was, I mean, they could light up the sky. Uh, actually, no, not light up the sky. They could darken the sky with all these arrows. They threw, you know, they would shoot so many arrows that you might not even see the sun if you looked up because all these arrows are coming down. And what would happen was the, the soldiers, they would form what was called a testudo with their shields or a tortoise. And uh, anybody know what that is? A testudo? Yeah, you guys know what that is? Uh, a testudo is they would take their shields, the guys in the front and on the sides, they would put their shields out in front like this. And the guys in the, in the sides would put their shields out like that. And the guys in the middle behind them would all put their shields up on top. And that would form a wall that was impenetrable, that any arrows, any spears, any debris or whatever they were throwing, it would not harm them because these shields were causing a barrier to protect them. And, and as I was looking at this, I mean, I saw a picture of what the Lord wants the body of Christ to be, what he has called the church to be, that you know, the church, I'm talking about the ecclesia. The church is talking about the called out ones. You know, we are, that's what that word means. Church, if you look that word up, is the ecclesia. That is the called out ones, called out from our homes to a gathering place, to a public assembly. We have been saved. We have been born again. We've been called out from our homes, not to be alone, We've been called out to come together, to assemble. We've been saved and sanctified. We've been delivered out of the kingdom uh, of darkness, out of the power of darkness, and we've been brought into the kingdom of his dear son. We are now citizens of a new kingdom, and as citizens of a new kingdom, we are called out to come together and assemble. And when we assemble, we bring our shields with us. We bring our faith with us. And when you uh, bring your shield and I bring my shield and maybe I'm stronger in one area and you're stronger in faith in one area, man, we can form an impenetrable wall that the enemy cannot break through. And that's why the enemy tries so hard to divide the church, to keep, get people to leave the church because he knows, hey, if I can take one shield out or one person, because your shield is your faith. We're talking about the shield of faith, but your shield is your faith. And so if I can hit one person, if I can get one Christian, well, that I just weakened. I just weakened the church a little bit. Do you see that? He gives one person, well, he can get in there. That's why it's so important. The Bible talks about in Hebrews 10, 24, that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but we are to come together more, actually, uh, and it says, don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. We're to come together more. And when Paul wrote that, when the Holy Spirit through Paul wrote that, it was because people were dealing with some persecution. He didn't say, hey, man, things might get tough. Things might get hard. People were thinking about, you know, laying their faith down. He didn't say, you know, run, hide, stay at home where it's safe, get cover. No, he said, come together more. 
Come together more, right? Bring your shields together. Because when you bring your shield, I bring my shield, man, we feel uh, impenetrable. We feel protected. We feel kept. We feel like, hey, I can encourage. I can be encouraged and you can encourage me. Amen? It's encouraging when we come together, when we're all assembling together, when we assemble. That's what the church is supposed to do. You know, you've seen the movie Avengers and Captain America's like, Avengers, assemble. Well, that's what the church is supposed to be doing. The church is supposed to assemble. And right now, after COVID, man, you got a lot of people just assembling in their house by themselves. Well, no, we're supposed to assemble together. We're supposed to bring our shields together. We're supposed to be an impenetrable wall so that the enemy cannot penetrate and get to each other because we're not an island by ourselves. One soldier can't do anything by himself against an army. But when you got multiple, multiple soldiers and we all got our shields, we're all ready to fight, we're all ready to defend, I mean, we're a lot stronger together. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 6.16, you're still there. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. NIV says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The flaming arrow. So this shield will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. It will actually, actually quench them. It will stop them. And remember, this illustration is that we are at war. We are in a battle, and we have this armor. We have this shield. And these arrows can do damage. These arrows, like I said, they were dipped in pitch, and they, had, um, they were lit up. And so if it hit you or if it hit some of your equipment, if it you know, hit something near you, it could light on fire and cause a lot of damage. And I know today we don't use arrows as much or, you know, as far as in war. We don't use them at all. You know, it's more for hunting and stuff like that. But, you know, today we would say flaming missiles or something. Actually, the uh, Amplified says that. It says, lift up overall the covering shield of saving faith uh, upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. What are missiles? They... They detonate upon impact, right? And they can cause mass destruction. And this is what the enemy's arrows can do. When he launches attack, man, they can cause a lot of destruction. They can cause a lot of harm. And these missiles, these arrows are his deceits. These are his schemes. These are his strategies. And they hit you unaware. His arrows hit you unaware. Everybody okay? They hit you unaware. They can happen so fast that you are just unaware. You know, the devil doesn't say, hey, I'm going to hit you right now with one of my arrows. No, it's when you are unprotected. That's why it's so important that we stay protected. That's why it's so important that we have our shields up. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. See, the enemy, he wants to catch us with our shields down. He wants to catch us with our shields down with no protection. That is his plan. That is his tactic, is to try to catch us with his shield down. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, start in verse 1. 
It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Well, what was the purpose of these doctrines of demons? So that people would depart, so that people would leave the faith. The KJV, if you're reading the King James Bible, it says that people would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Seducing spirits. And I think that paints a really good picture. What, is, what does it mean to seduce? What does it mean to seduce? Seduce has to do with misleading, right? Uh, to cause someone to go astray. But it's seduction. It's enticing. It's baiting someone away, right? And, and I know sometimes when we think of seduction or seducing, we always think of, of a sexual, uh, you know, way. But you can seduce the mouse with the cheese, right? You drove them away. You baited them in. And that is the picture, right? You put the piece of cheese on the mouse trap, and what happens? The mouse comes out from under, uh, away from his protection, away from where he was hiding, and then he goes and smells the cheese and snap, he's caught. Why? Because he left his protection. He left what was protecting him. He left what was covering him. Well, that, this is the way the schemes of the enemy work. This is the way this seduction works. He is a seducer, and he knows exactly which bait to lure in his target with. The enemy is very smart. He knows how to lure in his target. He knows how to bait them in. Uh, but he can only pierce us if we let down our shields. If we don't let down our shields, he won't be able to pierce us. He won't be able to get one of these flaming arrows at us. But he's going to do what he, what he can so that we lay down our shields, lay down what is giving us the victory. But he can't if we don't lay him down. And see, God is smart. He is not behind the devil. He is not a step behind the devil. He's ahead of the devil. He's not saying, oh, this is the devil's tactic. Uh, let me think here. I better put this in place. No, God is ahead of him. He knows exactly what it will take for us to stand guard, to be protected, so that we're not deceived by the enemy. Go to, um, you're in 1 Timothy 4. Go to 1 Timothy, just a couple chapters over, to verse 6. See, the enemy, he is trying to lead us away from our shield, to lure us away, to seduce us, to bait us to a place where we put down our shield, we put down what is protecting us. In 1 Timothy 6, we, we read this as far, part of our text, well, we, not before this, but after this. But in verse 9, it says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which draw men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. He didn't, say the he didn't say money. He said the love of money. You know, people 
quote that wrong all the time to say money is the root of all evil. No, the Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money because you, money is just a neutral thing. It's what you do with the money. It's the person who's controlling the money. It's the person who has the money. You can use money for good or you can use money for evil. And these people, they, this is talking about someone who is covetousness, that, who is covetous. That means they want something they shouldn't have. They want it more than they should. And he's talking about these people are falling into temptation. And it goes on to say, uh, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice that. They strayed from the faith and in their greediness and pierced themselves through. Straying from the faith and pierced themselves through. Do you see that? They strayed from the faith and a result of that, they left their protection, they left what was keeping them, what was guarding them, and they got pierced. They put down their shield and they were hit. You see that? You see that? that they, were, they put down their shield and what happened? They were seduced. They were baited in. They were lured in by the love of money, by their greed. They were lured in. They put down their shield and they were hit. They were deceived. And this is what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to get us to put down our shield. He's trying to lure us in. He's trying to bait us in. He's trying to deceive us so that we put down our shields completely and he's got us. He's hit us. And there's many different ways he can do that. You know, we're reading about money, but I mean, no, he can do that with strife, with division. He lures you into a fight. He lures you into an argument. Right, because your pride. Pride don't like being told, you know, being talked to a certain way. Right? The Bible actually says that in Proverbs that because of pride, there's strife and there's contention. And so the enemy knows that. And he will try to lure and bait you in to that strife, to that division. Right? Anybody ever experienced that? You got in some strife, you got in some division. What happened? The enemy lured us in. He baited us. The thoughts are coming. You're going to let them talk to you like that? How dare they disrespect you like that? After all you've done for them, you've given them 30 years of your life, and they're going to talk to you like that? How disrespectful. See, he, he, he baits you in. What, what is that? Your pride. Your pride. Your pride. He knows the bait to use. And what's going on? You put down your shield. You put down your shield, and he hits you. He lured you in. He baited you in. Because, you know, it takes faith to walk in love. To walk in love when you've just been mistreated, maybe disrespected. It takes faith to say, I'm going to walk in love whether anybody else does or not. I'm going to walk in love whether they respect me or treat me right or not. I'm going to do what the Bible says. That requires faith. That requires faith to do that. And the Bible, you know, requires faith to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. That takes faith. That takes you saying... Mm-hmm. biting your lip and saying, I trust you, Lord, that if I do this, love never fails. You will work on them. You, I don't have to work on them. You'll work on them, not me. And sometimes you just need to cool down too. You just need to realize, why am I getting so uptight about that? It's just my pride. 
It's just my selfishness. Amen? A lot of arguments are just a lot of pride. That's strife. And that's why, peop- that's why the enemy, man, he, tr- he tries to, that's a trigger. Get people riled up. Get people angry. Get people upset. Because what happens? Strife. People let down their guard, and a lot of crazy stuff happens. Actually, that happened in, um, in let me see here. Yeah, in Acts 14. Go there real quick. Acts 14. You know, we're more susceptible to being baited and being lured when we're emotional, when we're in our feelings, when we're angry, when we're dealing with some pride. That is prime target for the enemy. And now we're talking about how he deceives us and these thoughts that he brings and these imaginations that he brings. But also know that he uses people too. He brings thoughts to other people. He brings other people in our lives that are around us, that are close to us, to push on our buttons. Because he knows, hey, if I get them to say this, that'll get them upset. And that'll get them in strife. The Bible says where there's strife there's all, and there's envy, there's every evil work. That's why you wonder, man, how do people go crazy? How do people go nuts and they do things, they shoot and they cause harm, they riot, they do all this stuff? strife the devil's involved somebody yielded and the devil got involved people don't even realize what they're doing a lot of time they're just like whoa before you know it they're damaging they're beating people up and they're going crazy well the enemy's involved and this happened in the book of acts uh acts 14 verse 1 It says, it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. It said they poisoned their minds against the brethren. They got these Gentiles all angry and upset and bitter, and what was the result? Their minds were poisoned. Their minds were poisoned. They stirred up these people. They riled these people. I don't know what they said, but they said some things, and these people got angry. They got upset, and they wanted nothing to do with these guys anymore. They wanted nothing to do with this teaching. And in other words, this division, this strife was debate. This, this, this was debate. The enemy is throwing his fiery darts, his arrows at them. And man, it lit a whole place on fire. It lit the whole camp on fire, the whole crowd on fire. To half the people now, they are not believing. They, are, they want nothing to do with these people. You see that? They poison the minds. They got lured in. Are you guys awake? Say, don't take the bait. You know, the enemy, he's an expert at deceiving masses. He's an expert at deception. He's an expert at putting the bait out there, dangling the carrot, and people fall for it. And he's great at using the news media for that, in case you haven't noticed. (laughs) He's great at using the media to deceive so everybody's angry and everybody's upset. And before you know it, people are doing stupid and crazy stuff. 
And it's all a lie. It's all a deception. Stir, you got to be careful for this bait, for the enemy luring us in, the, you, you know, seducing us with this emotions and with these feelings. Amen? Go to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. We cannot afford to put our shields down. We cannot afford to put our faith down. We do not want to be hit with one of these flaming arrows. We do not want to be seduced by the enemy. Notice when you are getting upset. Be aware. Be aware of when pride is involved, involved and you're angry and you're upset. Your shield is coming down. You need to put that shield up. You need to put that shield in front of you and say, no, no, this is what the Word of God says. I believe this, and I'm not going to accept anything else. I'm not going to accept this lie from the enemy. Where did I tell you to go? 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse, uh, go to verse 15. It says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Is it important that we know what the truth is? It's important that we know what the truth is. How are you going to rightly divide the word of truth if you don't know what the truth is? That means you have to know more than one scripture if you're going to rightly divide the word of God. You know, because you can wrongly divide the word of God. You can make it say something that it doesn't say at all. You know, the Bible says uh, Peter hung himself in one scripture, and then another scripture says go and do likewise. Well, no, you can't put that together. That'd be wrongly dividing the word of God. Amen. It says in verse 16, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we should just avoid. Just, we don't want to listen to. And it says, And their message will spread like cancer. Hamenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. So what were these guys teaching? It says Hymenaeus and Philetus. They were of this sort, spreading some message. And it spread like cancer. Actually, if you look up that word, it's gangrene, which is a, a, a disease, a disease that can spread quickly and, 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 you know, and eats away at you. Sometimes cancer, um, you know, is slow, but gangrene is a lot faster. And it said the message that they were preaching spread like gangrene. Well, these guys are preaching that the resurrection of the body already occurred, that there is, only, there is no resurrection that's going to occur, that the only resurrection there is is of them being born again and them getting saved. That's the only resurrection. That's what they were preaching. So if they're preaching that, well, that's going to affect a lot of people's faith, right? It's going to overthrow their faith. If you think, well, hey, this is it. Once I die, it's over. Well, why live for the Lord? Why be on fire for the Lord? What, why do anything, right? If there's no resurrection after this, if I die and I don't go be with the Lord, if my body is not resurrected in the end when the Lord comes, then why keep doing this? And that overthrew the faith of some. And you say, how, how could they believe such a thing? Why would they believe that? Well, they were lured in. They were deceived. I don't know what they said. I don't know what these two Hamenaeus and Philetus said, 
but they obviously said something that caused them to believe. I'm sure they used some scriptures out of context. And they, said, and they presented it in an eloquent way. And they baited these guys in until they let down their shields, they let down their faith, and they strayed. They, they got away from it. They overthrew their faith. They no longer had faith. What does it mean to stray? They strayed from the truth. That means they put down the truth, they put down their faith shields, and they got hit. They were targets. What did they need to immediately do as soon as they were hearing this doctrine? They needed to say, no, no, the Word of God says this, and I believe this, and it says this over here, so that can't be true. Immediately, that's what they needed to do. They needed to put their faith shields up. They needed to put their shields up, and they needed to have a defense out in front of them and say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. No, I'm not going to entertain that. Like I said before, there's a lot of things that you should never listen to. We should never entertain it, not for education's sake, not for knowledge's sake. No, it can damage your faith. It can hurt your faith. As soon as you hear something that is contrary to your faith, you need to get away from it. You need to turn it off. I mean, sometimes people are saying some things, they mean well, but they're dealing with something, they're bitter, they're upset, and they're spewing it out on you. That's a time where you need to get away. Ah, I don't need to hear this. They may be well-meaning, but you need to change the subject or you need to talk about something else. But you cannot afford to lay down your shield. You cannot afford to just put your shield down and hear something that could damage your faith. And I know that's very different. Are you guys awake? I know that's very different than what the world teaches out there because the world says be open-minded, that you need to be open-minded and you need to read lots of books. Well... No, we don't need to be open-minded. <laughs> we need to be open to the Word of God, but not open to everybody's stupid and goofy theories and ideas. Right? The Bible says that wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are on that path. That means the path that is leading to destruction is very wide and everybody's on it. Most people are on it. But narrow narrow is the way that leads to life, and there's few that find it. Narrow. It's very narrow. We are not supposed to just be open to everything. We are not just to be like, oh, let me consume this book and read this book and hear what they got to say and hear what they got to say because I want to be educated. No, that can damage your faith. That is putting down your shield. Do you see that? Do you know a lot of young kids, if they never went to college, they would still have their faith. Because when they went to college and they weren't strong enough in their faith, they got indoctrinated. They got told a bunch of stupid junk about God and that he's not real and that's why you need to read all this other stuff and that's why they don't have faith anymore. So looking back on that, you know, they said, well, I got to make a living. I got to go to school to get my education, to get my degree and make a living. It would have been better if they never went to school and went to heaven and kept their salvation and go and be with the Lord. Then they go and lose their faith and are lost for eternity. That's more important. Amen. It's more important that you keep your salvation, that you keep the word of God in front of you. than you go and hear a bunch of stuff that you don't need to hear and you lose your faith. See, that can happen. See, don't, don't think you're smarter. We cannot think that we're smarter than the enemy. 
We cannot think that we're smart enough and this ain't going to happen to us. This can't happen to me. Adam and Eve were smart. Adam and Eve were intelligent. They were without sin. They were not in a curse-filled world when they were deceived, when Eve was deceived. And Adam just went along with her. So he's, he's more at fault. He could have said, hey, no, stop this. We ain't doing this. But he just went along right with it. So he sinned. Eve was deceived. He just went and sinned. But they are smart. They are intelligent. They were created in the likeness and image of God. Go to Genesis 3. Let's look at that. I know we, we talk about that, but let's look at it. We're not immune to deception. You know, no one sets out, no Christian sets out to lose their faith. No Christian sets out and says, you know what? I think today I'm going to be deceived and I'm going to be drawn away. I'm going to lose my faith and I'm going to take millions of people with me. No, nobody does that. No. So we have to be on guard. What is it? What is happening here? What is going on? These are smart, intelligent people. There was no sin, no curse in the earth. Genesis 3, go to verse 1. It says, uh, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. As soon as he said that, their faith shield, her faith shield needed to go up. She needed to shut it down right then. She should have said, Nope, that's not what God said. Nope, get out of here. No, I'm not entertaining this. She should have immediately done that. But he says, no, you should not surely die. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, the woman, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit, its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So what's going on? She was lured in. She was seduced with the bait of being intelligent, of being more wise, of being like God. See, the, the devil is a good salesman. He doesn't say, hey, if you eat this fruit, your life is ruined, and there's going to be curse, and there's going to be toil, and it's going to be bad. Do you still want this fruit? No, he doesn't do that. He's a salesman. He is going to present something that you think is going to benefit you. And that's why we got to be so careful. We have to be so on guard because there are things seducing all the time. There are things going on all the time that are seducing us. And that's why you need to keep the word of God in front of you. You know what they should have did? They should have put a sign out on that tree. God said, you shall not eat of this tree. When you do, you will die. So every time they saw it, it was a reminder. They're keeping that faith in front of them. They're keeping what God said in front of them. Because that's what's going to strengthen our faith is when we keep what God said in front of us. When we keep it in our eyes. When we keep it in our heart. When we keep it in front of us. That's why it's so important to be in the Word of God. 
It's so important to read the Word of God. It's so important to get under the anointed Word of God so that you are equipped, so that you are ready, so that your faith is getting stronger, so that your shield is ready. Do you see that? We, it, it would have been better if they would have just stayed away from that tree. It would have been better if they would have not gone near the tree. How many of you, there's some things you should just stay away from. You know, the Bible, you know, if you play with fire, what's that that saying? If you play with fire, you're going to burn. You're going to burn. You know, the, uh, in Proverbs, the father's telling his son, my son, talking about the adulterous woman, the uh, promiscuous woman, he's saying, don't go near the door of her house. Why? Notice he didn't say, hey, don't get in the bed with her. He said, don't even go near the door of her house because it starts when you get too close. It starts when you're right there, when you're just looking. He's saying, no, don't even go near the door of her house. Today we would say, don't even get on the internet. Don't even go to these sites. Don't don't get these apps. Stay away from it. Stay away. And if you think, no, I'm stronger, you're already deceived. If you think, no, I can handle it, well, then you're already deceived because the enemy is tricking you to think that you're strong and that you, because you're not strong on your own. And the only thing that you can do that's going to enable you to, to resist is your faith in the word of God, doing what the word of God says. Because when you leave the word of God, you leave your protection. When you leave your faith in this word, you leave the protection. We cannot afford to leave the protection. You know, you can apply that to anything. If you are believing God, to lo- if you're trying to lose some weight, well, you don't want to pile up your refrigerator with ice cream, right? And think, oh, I'm strong enough. I'm just going to eat it only on Sundays, only on my cheat days. Yeah, only after church. I'm only going to do it then. No, it's better to just not even buy it at the grocery store, to leave the temptation there, right? Because it's easier to pass the, the, the temptation in the grocery store than it is in your house. You don't go to the grocery store every day, but you're in your house. And the ice cream is saying, eat me, eat me. I'm so creamy and delicious, right? And sometimes you, you got to get away from that. <laughs> Who's that ice cream talked to him before, right? Eat me or whatever sweet you like, Okay. But that's why it's so important to be in the word of God. What is going to keep us from not being tricked, from not being seduced, from not being lured in? It's our shield of faith. There needs to be a barrier between us and the deception, between us and the bait. And our faith is in the word of God. So that means If we keep the word of God in front of us, if we keep our faith in the word of God in front of us, we keep the faith shield in front of us. We keep our faith shield in front of us and we are protected. That means we have to feed on the word of God. Amen. That means we have to be in the word of God. You know, there's a lot of things that the enemy is. He's so tricky. These are tricks of the enemy. There's a lot of things that he will try to bring up in your life to seduce you away from the word of God. Entertainment, sports, social media, all these things can seduce us and lure us away. 
whatever, hobbies, going to the beach. I'm not, you know, all of us got to look at these things and say, man, this is not saying you can never do anything, but you got to examine, wait a minute, I'm doing this. I'm doing this entertainment, this hobby, this thing. Man, this is all the enemy has seduced me. He has lured me away so that I'm not in the word of God like I used to be. And your faith can get weaker that way. Your faith can get weaker that way. See, don't think that I can do all this and do all that and my faith still be strong. No, you can't. You can't. The enemy is so deceitful. He will try to lure you with all these things that seem like it's okay, just a little this, just this TV show, and then it turns into three TV shows that you're binging, and then three movies that you're watching tonight, and then all this social media and all this sports. Pretty soon you're like, whoa, I have no time for God. We must be aware of his deception. We must be aware because we cannot afford to put our faith down. We cannot afford to stray from the faith, to remove our covering. Because if we do, we are allowing the enemy to pierce us. Say, not me. Not me. Not me. See, our faith, 1 John 5, 4, I'll end with this verse. We're coming back next week. There's more to talk about. But um, I'm trying to really work on my timing here on, as far as my messages. I noticed at one point they were getting longer. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I'll stop. We'll come back next week. We can always finish up. Amen? But 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith. Our faith is what's going to cause us to overcome. That's why your faith needs to be fed. That's why, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why we emphasize hearing the word of God so that your faith is strong. Can you, it will cause you to overcome, amen, so that you're prepared, so that you're protected. Amen? Amen. Well, go ahead and stand up with me. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.